This is RCT number 18, The Virgin Birth and the Chosen. RCT stands for the Roman Catechism of Trent. We are on pages 46 to 48. The Creed, Article 3, Part C. God give you his peace, and nomine patri sefidi, et spiritu sancti, amen. O heavenly King, comforter, spirit of truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasure of good things and giver of life, come and dwell in us and cleanse us of all impurity, and save our souls, O good one, in nomine patri sefidi, et spiritu sancti, amen. Before reading you the Catechism, first, thank you to all my donors. This keeps it free for rich and poor alike. And also, there's an important life update linked in the show notes. The Roman Catechism of Trent, born of the Virgin Mary. In its exposition, the pastor should exercise considerable diligence because the faithful are bound to believe that Jesus the Lord was not only conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, but was also born of the Virgin Mary. The words of the angel who first announced the happy tidings to the world declare with what joy and delight of soul this mystery of our faith should be meditated upon. Behold, said the angel, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all the people. Luke 2.10 The same sentiment The same sentiments are clearly conveyed in the song chanted by the heavenly host, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of good will. Luke 2.14 Then began the fulfillment of the splendid promise made by God to Abraham, that in his seed all the nations of the earth should one day be blessed. Genesis 22.18 For Mary, whom we proclaim and venerate as mother of God, because she brought forth him who is at once God and man, was descended from King David. Subtitle, The Nativity of Christ Transcends the Order of Nature. But as the conception itself transcends the order of nature, so also the birth of our Lord presents to our contemplation nothing but what is divine. Besides what is admirable beyond the power of thoughts or words to express He is born of his mother without any diminution of her maternal virginity, just as he afterwards went forth from a sepulcher, while it was closed and sealed and entered the room in which his disciples were assembled, the doors being shut. John 20, 19. Or not to depart from everyday examples, just as the rays of the sun penetrate without breaking or injuring, in the least, the solid substance of glass, So after a like but more exalted manner did Jesus Christ come forth from his mother's womb without injury to her maternal virginity. This immaculate and perpetual virginity forms, therefore, the just theme of our eulogy. Such was the work of the Holy Ghost, who at the conception and birth of the Son so favored the Virgin Mother as to impart to her fecundity while preserving inviolate her perpetual virginity. Okay, me here. So eulogy right there, that has nothing to do about a funeral. That just means true speech. True speech about Jesus and Mary. Now, some of you are familiar with that Protestant evangelical TV show called The Chosen. And I wrote a blog post against that. And it was pretty amazing that Catholics had a lot worse things to say about me than even evangelicals did. One Catholic who was uh, much more generous than what most people said online said, why don't you give it another shot? So I did. I I watched it again. And I have to tell you, before we get to the blasphemy, and I am going to double down on the blog post, so just a warning, but you need to know how this ties into today's infallible catechism that you as Catholics really can't meet heresy halfway. 
But even before we get to heresy, I have to say that the first thing I just can't get over is the fake accents. Now, here's my question to you. Do you think Christ spoke Aramaic in a foreign accent? Now, of course, I'm not saying he spoke English with an American or a British accent, but just think of this briefly. Think of this analogously. I'm Again, I'm not saying Christ spoke Aramaic in an American or a British accent. I'm saying he spoke Aramaic in a Galilean accent, so he wouldn't have sounded like he was from a foreign country, like what we hear in The Chosen, someone speaking English from a foreign country. You know, if you're going to have someone just speak a different language, just have them do it like in The Passion of the Christ, they're actually speaking Aramaic, or just have them speak in a regular, a regular American or British accent. And by the way, I talked to a Palestinian friend of mine, and she said, it's a really bad Palestinian accent that all of these actors in there are doing. So it's not even like um, it's, it's even accurate as far as the accents. So like I said earlier, though, I took a lot of heat for that blog post. The blog post I wrote was called Blasphemy Against Mother Mary and the Chosen. I am linking that in the, in the show notes. Now, a few Catholics, well, actually a lot of Catholics put feelings ahead of dogma. A few Catholics out there read it and realized you got to put dogma ahead of feelings. But the people who put feelings ahead of our Catholic faith, they usually had two reactions to me online. One, they said something like, a, a Dominican priest said this, basically, and I thought Dominicans were supposed to be logical. Father David's had a lot of assignments, and he's crazy, so you shouldn't listen to him. Okay, my response to that is easy. Anytime there's an ad hominem argument against you, your opponents admit loss on the field of truth. Kind of ironic for a Dominican. The second most common reaction I got is, this is just summarized, Okay, come on, technically, maybe Father David's right on these small points of doctrine, but hey, Mary was human too, and anyway, this show really brings me closer to Jesus, so he needs to not be so uptight. Well, let me give you, again, let's look at this analogously. About 20 years ago, it was either CBS or NBC, they had a movie about Mary. The end of the movie ends with the resurrection. Get this, the resurrection, Jesus was in a spiritual, he was like a ghost appearing to Mary. Now, kids, if you're listening, obviously this is not how it happened. Jesus had a physical bodily resurrection. But in this NBC or CBS special I saw 20 years ago as a kid, Jesus appears only as a ghost to Mary, not in a physical resurrection. Now, not only do Catholics know that's heretical, of course, evangelical Protestants also know that's totally heretical. I think everyone out there, even if you don't like me and what I write, would agree all evangelical pastors would reject that movie as well as they should. But here's the problem. Because we live in such a dark time in church history with such poor leadership, where in the United States, where even most decent Catholics take their lead in this country from evangelicals. Now, it's true. Catholics would hesitantly reject that movie. Okay, that's good. I'm not ripping on people for rejecting a movie that denies the physical resurrection of Jesus because everyone knows that a movie that would deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus but makes you feel good is not representing the true Jesus. Let me say that again. A movie denying the physical resurrection of Jesus but makes you feel good up to that point is not the real Jesus. Okay, but here's the thing. The apostles and the earliest Christians, that is the church fathers, they saw an absolutely direct link between Jesus coming out of Mary miraculously at his birth and Jesus coming out of the tomb miraculously. The early Christians said you can't have one without the other. 
You can be sure that if evangelical Protestants believe that, they would condemn any movie that went against a miracle they believed in. But because evangelicals believe in the errors of sola scriptura, they are blinded to the truth of the miracle of the birth of Jesus that was miraculous. But here's the problem. Catholics in this country, they're not blinded by sola scriptura. So why do they accept a movie that rejects what all the popes and saints and fathers and martyrs and virgins and confessors have said, namely that there is an absolutely direct link between Jesus coming out of Mary miraculously and Jesus coming out of the tomb miraculously. Why? It's because we live in a Protestant country and even most mass-going Catholics. I'm not just talking about the people who write for America Magazine. I mean even, I know tons of pro-life Catholics who love the chosen, but they're taking their lead from evangelicals, not the church fathers. Sorry, that's the way it is. So let me say this clearly. I will debate anyone on this podcast, Protestant or Catholic, who disagrees with this next statement. If evangelicals believed in the miraculous birth of Jesus, they would never have put such a blasphemous scene in the movie, The Chosen, TV series, whatever it is, where that person, apparently playing the mother of Jesus, says, quote, I had to clean him off. He was covered in, uh, I will be polite. He needed to be cleaned, end quote. Now, the reaction I got for ripping on that line from most Catholics, and again, Catholics said a lot meaner things about me than evangelicals. Most Catholics, they didn't think that's a big deal because they don't realize this miracle is connected to the miracle of the resurrection. Why don't they know this? Because Catholics are spending more time watching Protestant TV than they are reading the Bible of the Church Fathers. And we're going to get to later how I have not just patristic sources for this, I'm going to get to later how I have biblical sources that the chosen is really wonky. Evangelicals stick to their guns on what they believe are miracles more than Catholics, at least most of the time, except again what we're going to cover later on how they even got the Bible wrong. You know, the chosen also denies the sinlessness of Mary. We're going to see how this is directly linked in today's catechism to a painless birth. These are absolutely directly linked. But let's talk about the chosen's denial of the sinlessness of Mary. In the scene covered in my blog, a female disciple named Rama says, I feel, Mary's in the scene, the mother of Jesus. Rama says, I feel like I need to not make any more mistakes. The mother of Jesus responds, how do you think I felt? Andrew says, you probably feel that every day, no? Not anymore, Mother Mary says. He always reassured me. He always made me feel like I shouldn't be burdened. Okay, so what I just read you shows that the chosen denies the sinlessness of Mary. Now, you might come back at me and say, no, 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 a mistake isn't a sin. My response is this, oh, a mistake, like she put too much leaven in the challah bread? Well, if that's the case, then Rama's saying, I feel like I need to not make any more mistakes. Well, does that mean that Rama was too ashamed to put too much leaven in the challah bread herself just by being around Jesus? Is that what Jesus does? makes us feel guilty about involuntary mistakes? Of course not. Not I, nor the writers of The Chosen, believe Jesus made anybody in the first century or today feel guilty about involuntary mistakes. Nobody here is a Jansenist. Nobody here is a rigorist. So then what did the writers of The Chosen mean by mistakes? They, made, they mean sins, and we all know it, which is why they're denying the sinlessness of Mary when the person allegedly playing the mother of Jesus blasphemously says, 
not anymore to sinning. To sinning. That's what they mean by mistakes. Unless, again, the writers of the chosen mean Jesus converts us from our involuntary mistakes like too much leaven in the challah bread. Of course not. Okay, now why am I talking about this today? Because the Roman Catechism of Trent, again, the only infallible catechism today, it links the resurrection to the miraculous birth of Jesus. Let me read you what I just read you again from this infallible catechism. It says, Just as Christ afterwards went forth from the sepulcher while it was closed and sealed and entered the room in which his disciples were assembled, the doors being shut or not to depart from everyday examples, just as the rays of the sun penetrate without breaking or injuring in the least the solid substance of glass, so after a like but more exalted manner did Jesus Christ come forth from his mother's womb without injury to her maternal virginity. End quote. Now they get this analogy from the friends of the apostles, that just as the rays of the sun penetrate through glass, so also Jesus came out of the tomb, yes, in his physical body, but miraculously, just as he physically came out of Mary, yes, in his body, but it was miraculously. Meaning, actually, I should have said in that blog post of mine that not only is Mary blasphemed in the chosen, but it also blasphemes Christ and his own miracles, beginning with how he himself chose to come out of the Immaculate Virgin Mary. In the 20th century, Pope Pius XII wrote in his encyclical Mystici Corporis that, quote, it was she who gave miraculous birth, in Latin, mirandu partu edidit, to Christ our Lord. It was she who gave miraculous birth to Christ our Lord. That's from an encyclical. Oh, and then the person allegedly playing the mother of God says really stupid things in The Chosen, like, it actually made me think for just one moment, is this really the Son of God? And Joseph later told me he briefly thought the same thing. But we knew he was. I just don't know what I expected. Now, okay, that's nice. They kind of throw in that they knew he was. But did Mary have doubt? Of course not. You don't even need the church fathers to know such a stupid line is directly against the biblical history of our Lord and Savior. Obviously, Mary already knew Christ was the Son of God. Why? Because the angel Gabriel directly announced to the Immaculate Virgin Mary, listen to Luke 1.35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore, also the Holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So look, folks, if you had an angel appear to you who called Christ the Son of God and then had a miraculous birth, would you utter the words a few months later, it actually made me think for just one moment, is this really the Son of God? Just preposterous. Again, this blog of mine is linked in the show notes with all this. The Catechism continues. Subtitle, Christ compared Adam, Mary to Eve. The Apostle sometimes calls Jesus Christ the second Adam and compares him to the first Adam, for as in the first all men die, so in the second all are made alive, 1 Corinthians 15, 21-22, and as in the natural order Adam was the father of a human race, so in the supernatural order Christ is the author of grace and glory, Romans 5, 14. The virgin mother we may also compare to Eve, making the second Eve, that is Mary, correspond to the first, as we have already shown that the second Adam, that is Christ, corresponds to the first Adam. By believing the serpent, Eve brought malediction and death on mankind. 
And Mary, by believing the angel, became the instrument of the divine goodness in bringing life and benediction to the human race. From Eve, we are born children of wrath, Ephesians 2.3. From Mary, we have received Jesus Christ, and through him are regenerated children of grace. To Eve, it was said, in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, Genesis 3.16. Mary was exempt from this law for preserving her virginal integrity inviolate. She brought forth Jesus, the Son of God, without experiencing, as we have already said, any sense of pain. Okay, me again here. There you have it, the infallible catechism saying, Mary gave birth to Jesus without any sense of pain. Again, denying this denies Mary's sinlessness because the catechism just told us, from Eve we are born children of wrath, from Mary we have received Jesus Christ, and through him are regenerated children of grace. To Eve it was said, in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. Mary was exempt from this law for preserving her virginal integrity inviolate, and that means without change in this case, any change at all. And then because of this, it's absolutely church teaching that the consequence of this is true, which we just heard in the rest of that sentence, namely that in preserving her virginal integrity inviolate, Mary brought forth Jesus, the Son of God, without experiencing any sense of pain. And did you hear the subtitle of today's section? It was, The Nativity of Christ Transcends the Order of Nature. What do you think that means, transcends the order of nature? Transcends the order of nature means you don't look for a TV show that makes Mary make you feel just like yourself. No, these doctrinal topics are the make it or break it stuff on if you're a Catholic or a Protestant. This isn't me picking out small doctrinal errors in a silly fake accent TV show made by Protestants because I have nothing better to do. No, I'm making this podcast because there are millions of Catholics imbibing this Protestant garbage. Folks, if you're denying this miracle of the sinlessness of Mary and by consequence of it, the painless birth, you might as well deny the resurrection. It's that important to our understanding as Catholics of the theology of the gospel, according to the church fathers, and this infallible catechism of Trent, not according to me and my little blog. Please say an hour, Father, for me, et benedictio deum et potentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Santi, descendet super vos et maniat semper. Amen.